You are entering the Freedom Hut. Team, we are going to be kicking off a Freestyle Friday here in the Freedom Hut from NYC, talking about uh, Trump's speech today at the NRA Summit. Also, Giuliani walking back some of his comments. A big bit of fake news from NBC News. No surprise there, but why do they keep getting it wrong in the same direction? Plus, a new feminist movement about fish sex? Very strange. We'll talk about that and uh, all your thoughts and comments coming up. This is the Buck Sexton Show, where the mission mission is to decode what really matters with actionable intelligence. Make Make no mistake. America. You're a great American again. The Buck Sexton Show begins. Former CIA analyst. Former member of the NYPD. Buck Sexton. It is Buck Sexton. Now. What's up, team? Great to have you here. I'm back in NYC, back in uh, Freedom Hut headquarters. D.C. is the, is the satellite office. D.C. is our forward operating base of freedom. Um, and I'm, I'm setting up that forward operating base as we speak. But uh, right now, HQ is here at NYC. Good to be back, back here in person with the team. Uh, we're going to be taking some calls if you want to chat about whatever. And by the way, always the case, right? 844-900-2825, 844-900-BUCK. Figure if you got a phone number with your name in it, you might as well say it, right? Fun to say. Uh, we've got we've got some job stuff to talk about. Latest on Trump, the the Mueller probe gets slapped down by a federal judge today. I meant to mention that in our kind of rundown moment uh, at the top of the show. Uh, a, a judge calling out that this is a this is in fact a witch hunt. It is a a head hunting expedition with all kinds of political malfeasance at play. And we'll take some of Trump's best moments from the NRA, but uh, NRA uh, summit, right? I'm calling this right, yeah, out down in Dallas. Uh, but let's start with the jobs, just because we're setting records today, folks. We are setting records. Um, here is what we found out today. This is a pretty good report. The big headline here, 3.9%. That is our nation's unemployment rate, and that is the lowest rate since back in December 2000 during the dot-com years. The market loves this number. Stocks are rallying here in the pre-market action on this, and the idea there is that it points to an economy where jobs are growing, things are looking good, 3.9% unemployment. That's a wow number. And yet... Not real signs of inflation or overheating. So the Federal Reserve doesn't need to get super aggressive when it comes to raising interest rates and tightening policy. And that is why the market likes this number. Big market push today. Dow Jones uh, closing up some, uh, you know, three digits, whatever it was. We're not a market show, so come on. Uh, But I I like to point this out because we need to remember that we were told that if Trump became president... The, the all the terrible things were going to happen, right? The fascism in this country, the right. Whatever happened to the alt right? I thought the alt right ran the country. Do you remember all the all the think pieces about the alt right and the 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 little the, the little moron neo Nazis with their with their tiki torches or whatever? And oh my gosh, they're coming! It's like this is the equivalent of ha- it was the equivalent of having all the major news outlets walk up to guys that are pushing shopping carts on the street with big signs about how the world's going to end tomorrow and be like. This is a movement. The movement is here. The movement is coming. And, you know, you sit there like, I don't think anyone's really listening to guy who is uh, 
walking around yelling with the sign sticking out of his shopping cart. But nonetheless, media was running all kinds of stories about it. The, the alt-right boogeyman was useful for a while for them. You know, of course, you had a Republican running against a Democrat, so we had to hear all the stuff about David Duke. You'll notice we don't hear about David Duke anymore because nobody cares what that racist piece of garbage has to say about anything. And, and yet, during the election, I was hearing all this stuff. We heard things then. We should remember because it's almost like they were trying to stack the deck, trying to make certain things happen that otherwise would not. Trying to push for maybe one candidate over another at the expense of any ethics as journalists or even ethics as being good people. But they said that Trump was a failed businessman, uh, was a dishonest businessman, was the worst, all that stuff. And the night of the election, when it was clear Hillary was going to lose and the, and the Dow futures, Dow Jones Industrial futures dropped 500 points, they're saying, look, it's all going to come apart. Turns out the economy is right now basically as good as it has or, or the best it has been since the dot-com boom, which was the best the economy was certainly in my lifetime before that. So if you look at two points, oh, by the way, the Dow was up 332 points today. just flashed on the screen. So there we go. Um, but no, no, that's in response to the jobs numbers. I know overall, overall this week it was down a tiny bit, but still it's doing, doing very, very well. But this is the problem that Democrats have. See, the narrative has to have something to latch on to. Right now, their narrative is Trump is literally the worst. This is the the dominant media Democrat narrative is that Dem- uh, Trump is literally the worst president in history. Right. This is what they, they think. He's the worst president in history. I actually had to point out to Madeleine Albright online that to say that Trump is the most undemocratic president in history is kind of rough considering FDR put Japanese Americans in internment camps and Woodrow Wilson resegregated the federal government, was a Klan apologist and thought the South sort of uh, defeated the North in the Civil War and that slavery should have continued. I mean, those are some pretty bad presidents that we had in recent memory. But they think that Trump is the worst. How is it that Trump is the worst president ever, but things are good? This is what I keep saying to my, my, my liberal friends who are like, how could you support him? I'm like, why wouldn't I? <laughs> like, what, what do you think is happening that I'm supposed to be upset about? Hmm. It's a tough one. But I'm not the only. I mean, I'm not uh, the only one who's noticing this. By the way, you had uh, not the fun Cuomo, the bro Cuomo, not yeah, not the not the governor, but the brother. Hey, the bro over at CNN and Camerata had to react to the jobs report. Okay, that's huge. I mean, there's just no way other way to slice it, as it's, you point it's out. It's a strong job market. It has been a very strong job market and the, and the lowest unemployment rate uh, since 2000. And when you look at the underemployment rate, you guys, that's the uh, people who are working, mm-hmm. not working up to their potential, really, out of work or working part-time but want to be working full-time, that's about 7.8%. That number is also falling here. So that's another good sign. Yeah, it's, it's really interesting. i got to look into it. I have to see which of the industries that are moving, why they're moving, where you yeah, see the different wage inefficiencies. That's the right question. We have to figure that out. we got to figure it out. It's really tough, you know? Definitely has nothing to do with the big tax cut or having a president who is favorable toward capitalism and is not all about, f- quote, fairness and redistribution. It's not that. It's other things. I'm going to come back to you. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do... A lot of research. First, I'm going to go. Do you even lift, bro? First, I'm going to go to stop by GNC. Then, then I'm going to uh, do some do some research into the uh, economicals of why the jobs market's pretty good right now. 
Thanks, Cuomo. I'm having a lot of fun with the Cuomos. Hopefully, uh, hopefully they don't have some other relatives that are going to decide to get too cross with me, and I'm going to be sleeping with the fishes. I'm just saying. I, you know, I don't know. I'm just saying. They could be upset with me. So, uh, so anyway, you got uh, Cuomo out there saying that stuff. Camarada is kind of like, oh, my gosh, the jobs. The jobs report is so strong. I don't know what. We're on CNN. What do we do? Do we say it's not strong? Perhaps it's too strong. It's, it's a jobs report that's hyper-masculine. Uh, they don't know what to do over there because things are good. But they should have asked Valerie Jarrett. Remember her? Actually, you probably only vaguely remember her because I think in the entirety of the Obama administration, I saw her speak publicly like twice. Am I am I imagining that, Producer Mike? Or she was not a the most senior. And this is why when people start to you know give a rough time with the whole Jared thing, I'm like, whoa, whoa hold on a second. The most senior advisor in the previous two administrations or the Obama administration for eight years was Valerie Jarrett whom I had received numerous first-person descriptions of from other people in the uh, news and journalism industry that I cannot repeat to you on air referring to her abilities, but let's just say they were unimpressed. Uh, they, were, they were unimpressed with the depth of her, of her knowledge on uh, anything uh, up to including how, to, how best to like open a door. So they were not, yeah, they were not, I'm just saying, look, I'm just telling you what I, I'm telling you what I heard. They were not impressed. Uh, and, but Valerie Jarrett, uh, she came up with a better answer than Camarada. So maybe they, maybe my, my contacts were, you know, being too harsh because she came up with a better answer than Cuomo or Camarada for the jobs report. Who, who wants to guess what it is? We just had moments ago where the new job numbers, the lowest in anybody's memory, 3.9% unemployment rate. Uh, it's been 15 months of Donald Trump's presidency. Do you give him credit for that? Look, I think we have to look at it over a longer horizon than that. If you think about what the economy was like when President Obama took office and we were losing 750,000 jobs a month and under his watch, the unemployment rate dropped in half. And it's encouraging to see that we're continuing to make progress. There you go. It's Obama's victory. The jobs report now, 18 months into Trump's presidency. Thanks, Obama. That's <laughs> that's who we're supposed to say. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that, that's that's what we're told. Nothing to do with the tax cut, by the way. Cut, slash the corporate tax uh, corporate tax rate. It's not like people are going to hire more people, invest more in their businesses, try to gain, you know, try to gain competitive advantage over the rest of the marketplace with the additional cash that they're not now paying the federal government. Nah, none of that. that those aren't the reasons. See, this is the fundamental problem. I, I have to, to be fair to the left on this stuff. They're running with all the Stormy Daniels and Russia collusion 24 seven, because what else are they going to do? Be like, well, they're not, what, what are we to do with, with the, the, the workers who are passing out the checks to the unemployed people? Like, we, what are they going to do? They're going to complain that the jobs report so strong? The stock market, despite a lot of people thinking it's overheated, still staying up there, which affects your, your 401k. It also affects hiring. It affects your business. And, you know, the stock market is much more than just something that you invest in, right? It's a reflection of confidence and, and overall, uh, overall financial trajectory of the country. Uh, so what are they supposed to do? 
Well, what are they going to do? They can't say we hate all the good things that are objective metrics. We can't point to those. So instead, they either do the do the thanks, Obama. Yeah, let's just all give thanks to Obama for this one. Um, if you go back and look at the growth during the Obama years, year by year, by the way, the slowest recovery from a uh, recession since the Second World War was op- aligned exactly with Obama's eight years in office, the slowest recovery possible or the, wor- the worst recovery and the slowest we had seen since the Second World War. But yeah, thanks, Obama. Uh, that's always one. That's always one way to go, though. Anything that, that's good. Uh, thanks, Obama. There we go. Oh, look at that. Um, by the way, we, we've done an update. And I don't know if this is going to work. Uh, I don't know if this is going to work. But we decided to expand out from our usual portfolio of movie quotes and to, well, let's just play it for them, John. Awesome. I don't want to accept the fact that you're dealing with an expert in guerrilla warfare. With a man who's the best with guns, with knives, with his bare hands. A man who's been trained to ignore pain, to live off the land, to eat things, and to make a bully goat puke. Movie. I must break Quote. All right, everyone. Chill. Fridays. You to the bank, Senator Trent. To the blood bank. Awesome movie quote Fridays. Okay. I'll be with you. Always. Uh, okay, so now we're just any movie quote. You see if I can catch on the spot. I'm going to say it right now, producer Mike picked all these. I don't know what, I, I know that the one of them is Mr. Freeze from Batman. First of all, the first quote you put in there, Mike, is like a monologue, okay? It's it's very long for our purposes here. And what is that movie even from? I don't even know. Uh, you don't know what it's from? I don't even know uh, what the first one is from. First Blood. Colonel Troutman talking about John J. Rambo. Okay, now I'm... Uh, now I'm just complaining about the length because the movie's legit. Fine, <laughs> fine, producer Mike. Fine, I, fine. I, I knew when you knew where it was from. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He had a, he had this little smug, his little smug look. He had this smug look on his face over there. When I was like, "What is this?" He knew he was going to get me. All right, fine. He won this one, but savor the flavor because it won't. <laughs> yeah, I had a feeling that was going to happen. So you can bring any quote you want my way from any movie, but it just it doesn't have to be action. It just has to be awesome. So we're making this more vague which means that this is going to get really interesting, I think. 844-900-2825, 844-900-BUCK. Uh, what, what happened to the Mueller probe today? The Mueller probe got a, got a buck slap. Yeah. Just like that. How and why? I'll tell you in a few. Stay right there. Some of those jobs of the past are just not going to come back. And when somebody says, like the person you just mentioned, who I'm not going to advertise for, that he's going to bring all these jobs back. Well, how exactly are you going to do that? What are you going to do? There's, the, there's no answer to it. He just says, well, I'm going to, I'm going to negotiate a better deal. Well, how, what, how exactly are you going to negotiate that? What magic wand do you have? And usually the answer is he doesn't have an answer. Actually, the answer is the magic wand is capitalism. Magic wand is tax cuts. All kinds of answers that Trump could probably offer President Obama now. Oh, and the other answer is the guy he's talking about is the current president of the United States, Donald Trump. But, you know, my friends, we have to hold them accountable for the previous statements. 
We are going to have to hold them accountable when there are no charges against Trump from the whole Russia collusion debacle because they're going to just move on. You know, they're just going to be like, oh, you know, whatever. Now we've burned now that we burned down the village. We're just going to go on to the next one. Uh, but wait, what about all the things you said here? And hey, don't worry about that, kid. Move on. Karen in Grand Rapids, Michigan. I've actually been to Grand Rapids. Nice place. What's up, Karen? I love your show. Thank you. I love your, I have to say, I love your little Julia Child's voice, the little English biscuit lady. It's so funny. Oh. I laugh out loud every time you do it. Thank you. I, I we was, have to, I was, I'll, 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 we'll have to make English biscuit lady a more common occurrence <laughs> on the show. Um, I wanted to just say, I think for a lot of average people, it's, it's hard to get interested in all the Trump, Mueller, and the, you know, McCabe, and all the issues that happen. If the average American could see a spreadsheet on how much money they've spent investigating this, you know, issue or, or, or witch hunt, whatever you want to call it, I'd like to see how much each person has been paid and how long they've been doing the job. Because I think most people that make $52,000 a year would be so appalled, they would probably say something or want to do something about it. Yeah, I, I think the more transparency we have into the Mueller probe, Karen, the worse it will be yes. for the Mueller probe. And this is a perfect transition because that's what we're going to be talking about in just oh, a moment here. Yeah. Well, and then the other thing I'd like to see, speaking of annoying money spent, is that the press dinner that they just had, I'd like to know who pays for that. Is well, the White House Correspondents Association pays for it, so I can tell you that. Okay. Fair is enough. They, is that something they pay into? Um, I think it's a, I mean, it's an organization. I don't know. I don't know if they collect dues. It's a nonprofit. I, I don't know too much about the structure of it, but I can tell you this. I'm not going. I was very proud, by the way, uh, very happy um, to see that the, the Hill has to, so I'm a columnist for the Hill. They've decided they are, um, not going to be going for the foreseeable. They're like, we're out yeah. after years and years. Yeah. yeah. So, so, yeah. Uh, and I don't, and I don't, is it, is it actually held at the White House? No, no, it's held at a hotel. Um, I maybe one day I'll tell my whole White House correspondence debacle story about being there once. And I was, I it was seven years or six years, seven years ago. Thanks, Karen, for calling. Good to talk to you, Shields High. Yeah, I went to the WHCD called Nerd Prom by people who don't deserve the title nerd because they're not smart enough for it. Uh, I went and I was like, I'm never coming back. This 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 sucks, and it does. And it was particularly crappy this year. What happened with Mueller? I'll tell you. He's holding the line for America. Buck Sexton is back. Judge T.S. Ellis, who is really something very special, I hear from many standpoints. He's a respected person. Suggested the charges before... The U.S. District Court for the Eastern District of Virginia were just part of the Mueller team's designs to pressure Mr. Manafort into giving up information on President Donald Trump or others in the campaign. I've been saying that for a long time. To witch hunt. Then, none of that information has to do with information related to the Russian government coordination and the campaign of Donald Trump doesn't have anything to do. It's from years before. Then, how does this have anything to do with the campaign, the judge asked. Let me tell you, folks, we're all fighting battles. 
But I love fighting these battles. He likes fighting the battles. Let me tell you, it was a, a good day for for Trump, bad day for Mueller and company. Notice they're not going to talk much about this other stuff. I see a lot of focus here. Oh, what's what? As I'm on the air with you right now, CNN legal team still talking with Mueller about interview despite Rudy, Rudy Giuliani blank show. It starts with SH. Uh, that's what. That's what CNN's focused on. They have to give their delusional, disturbed audience hope that Trump is going to get prosecuted and destroyed by Mueller. That's the only way to keep people watching CNN at this point. I don't. I think CNN actually has to do a rebranding if if Trump doesn't get impeached and removed from office, because no serious person would be able to look anyone else in the eye. I have actually run this experiment with some friends recently. I've said, tell me this. Uh, Anderson Cooper and Rachel Maddow are the two biggest names or here, you know, I, I think that's maybe Jake Tapper. I don't whatever. What, let's just say it's it's uh, Cooper and Maddow. I think they're the two biggest names, respectively, at CNN and MSNBC. If you asked Rachel Maddow or if you asked somebody about Rachel Maddow, are you opposed to Trump? Are you a you know, are you a progressive who shares your opinion? She would say yes. CNN, Anderson Cooper or Tapper, anyone would say no. We're journalists. We do this without fear or favor. And they'd, they'd say it to you with a straight face. I mean, you would laugh, but they would say it to you with a straight face. After all we've seen, I don't understand how if, they're, if they don't give the payoff that they've been promising their Trump derangement syndrome infected audience for 18 months, I don't know how they can go back to like, we're just journalists, journalists down the middle. I don't, I don't know how they do that. Uh, I think I think they're they're forever tainted in a way that they won't be able to recover from unless they say, OK, we got to do a house cleaning and really change change things up here. And that's my opinion, but I tend to be right. So uh, what was Trump referring to, though, with this judge? This was really interesting, folks. I mean, this was this was uh, something that you won't see getting nearly enough coverage. Uh, but. Here's what happened. Paul Manafort, as you know, the former Trump campaign manager, he was in a court in Alexandria, Virginia, earlier today. And the his legal team is arguing that the special counsel does not have power to indict him based on the charges they've brought. The judge, federal judge T.S. Ellis III, Ask the Mueller team where they derive the authority to indict Manafort on banking crimes. Uh, Banking crimes dating back as far as 2005. The special counsel argued that Rosenstein at DOJ gave them the ability to or, you know, gave them the authority in May on the May 2nd, 2002 letter, which keep in mind, a lot of it is still redacted. But. Some of the info in the special counsel investigation, according to the prosecutors today, are trying to, you know, slam Manafort for like 30 or uh, no, it's not even 30. It's like 300 years. I mean, this is banana republic stuff they, they want to send Manafort to prison for decades and decades, like centuries. I think, actually, if you add up all the time he's facing, 
Paul Manafort, who has killed zero people, who is not a violent person or a danger to anyone, but who is basically accused of hiding some money that he made from the federal government. That's really all he's accused of at this point is is financial banking crimes and not against you. He wasn't like swindling old ladies out of their bank accounts. He just wasn't giving the fair cut to Uncle Sam, which if you, for example, ask like Wesley Snipes, that can be rough. See, I was a Wesley, I was a Wesley fan. I thought Blade was one of the rare good superhero movies before like this deluge of superhero mu- movies. I'd have, I always felt like Wesley never got enough credit for that one. And then and then he didn't pay taxes on forty million dollars, which you know, you, you can you can write off some lunches here and there, and like I don't think they're going to notice. And if they do, I think they can let that slide. Forty million, Uncle Sam's gonna he's gonna figure that one out at some point. I think he did what three years for that. Anyway, point being, Wesley got out. I'm happy about that. Uh, there's a Wesley Snipes VIP lounge in Nigeria, by the way, at a nightclub. Story maybe for another time. Truth, that's that's a real thing. I know I'm dropping all kinds of knowledge here. Yeah, that's a story for another time. Neither confirm nor deny. Uh, so where was I? Oh yes, the special counsel. Special counsel saying they've got the special authority and they want to crush Manafort. And now this judge, Judge Ellis, who I think went to Princeton and Harvard Law School, um, and I think he also has a military background. Anyways, very interesting guy. Very, very interesting guy. Um, but the, 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 the prosecutors in this case said, well, actually, there's information from way before that. Right. There's information from way before that. And now Ellis turns around the judge and he says, well, wait a second. If this didn't come from the special counsel investigation, if you, so, so the special counsel is like, we have the authority to do this. And oh, by the way, there's some information we have from a previous investigation. And so the judge Ellis is saying, well, hold on a second. If it's from a previous investigation, it's not about what you're doing. If this was already there, why doesn't the, why doesn't a normal federal court just handle this? Why is this under the purview of the special counsel? And this special counsel said, well, actually, we've got some secret authorities that you can't know about. This is to the judge. And it's like, uh, I'm sorry, what? Uh, this is a quote here. Judge Ellis seemed amused and not persuaded. He summed up the special counsel's office as, quote, we said this was what investigation was about, but we are not bound by it. And we were lying. <laughs> He then said, come on, man. The judge also went on to say, and this is the best part of the whole thing, that they don't care about Manafort. They're just trying to get Trump. Oh, wow. You mean a federal judge? And keep in mind, we're not supposed to be criticizing federal judges, right? Remember, Trump criticized federal judge. Big problem. Uh, this federal judge is saying, what we all know and we've all known all along, and that is that they just they, they don't care about Manafort. This has nothing to do with Manafort. This is a get Trump operation. Full stop. The judge said, Judge Ellis said to Michael Dreben, one of the prosecutors here, quote, you don't really care about Manafort's bank fraud. Prosecution and impeachment. That's what you're really interested in. This is the judge, folks, that the federal prosecutors under the special counsel 
are presenting their case against Manafort to, he's like, this is this is a joke, right? You guys are you guys are trying to drop the the weight of Mount Olympus on this guy Manafort. You don't care about Manafort. It's so obvious from what they're from what they're doing from the actual maneuvers. Isn't it such a breath of fresh air to have a federal judge who's calling this crap out for what it is? This is what I'm saying to you, Dan and Dad. I know, and you're writing me and calling in. You know too, right? We all see this. We know what game they're playing. It's just so nice to have a judge, not a pundit, not a news organization, a judge be like. Okay, so this is actually a headhunting expedition, and you guys are going after the President of the United States. That's what this is. It has nothing to do with all of Manafort's myriad and terrible crimes. What should this also mean now about how much faith we can put in Mueller to be an honest uh, and impartial prosecutor in this whole thing? And the answer is he's not, right? We know that as well. Uh, but when you've got a judge who's calling them out in this way, I think it's... Uh, it is telling. It is meaningful. Um, and don't don't forget that now you've got somebody who's on the record saying exactly what we've been saying to each other all along, and that is that uh, it's it is blatant and obvious that Manafort is just a pawn in the Get Trump operation, and that they are twisting the law and using every bit of discretion and authority they possibly can to get to Trump. It has nothing to do with justice. This is all politics. Oh, one more fun thing. If you want to laugh over the weekend, read Adam Schiff's editorial in the New York Times today. Do you see that, Producer Mike? It's, yeah. He's like, he's like, it should really, we should not jump to conclusions on the Russia collusion investigation. We should not assume impeachment is on the table. We should wait until the facts play out. And I'm like, oh, this is A plus gaslighting. The guy who has, who has literally been going on TV for over a year now, like, we have evidence of collusion. We just can't show you yet. We have it, though. We just can't show you, but we have it. You got to trust us. It's there. Big collusion. Big. Uh, that guy's now writing editorials where he's like, whoa, 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 whoa. Slow your roll. Let's not jump to conclusions. Adam Schiff is, is he, yeah, he, he is the used ShamWow salesman extraordinaire. That's right. He is the shadiest of the shady. Uh, and, and I just think it's funny that now he's trying to back off this a little bit. And uh, we, we will take some calls after this uh, brief interlude. Um, 844-900-2825. We got a spot or two open. We got some lines lit. 844-900-BUCK. If you're listening anywhere across the country, we'd love to hear from you. And uh, stay with me. The last administration had a policy of silence. Don't talk. You may make them and him angry. Don't talk. If a horrible statement is made about the United States, don't say anything. We have no comment. Please, please. Oh, my God. Yeah. Trump laying it down. Look, the most entertaining, engaging politician since Ronald Reagan. I just think there's no question about it. 
Obama gave a good speech. I didn't like what he stood for. He gave a good speech. But I, in terms of entertainment value and live audience and off the cuff, remember, Obama gave speeches that were written. He was not good off the cuff. A lot of, uh, sup, uh, uh, you know, he was not a, a compelling orator off script. Trump does like four hours. I mean, look, Trump he basically is like a radio host. I mean, you know what I'm saying? We're a special, we're a special bunch of folks that rock the mic. Uh, all right, Nielsen in Brandon. Where's Brandon? Never, never heard of this town. Nielsen, what's up? Hey, Brandon, Mississippi, man. It's on the reservoir. Oh, cool. I was for, I learned something new today. Thanks for calling in from Mississippi, my friend. What's on your mind, Nielsen? Uh, man, I just got a point that I need to put out there that I don't hear anyone saying. If they're successful at taking out our president, why ever vote again? Well, Did I think I, I think it's a very good point. I, point. I try to. I mean, what's the point? Because if they just if if they don't like who you vote for, they can just ruin everybody that has anything to do with them and and just flush them down the toilet. And then, what's the point of voting then? Yeah, it's a, it's a good question. By the way, actually, Adam Schiff raised in his preposterous editorial that he's like well you know democrats if you do remove trump from office and he hasn't committed an egregious crime people who voted for him are going to be pretty upset about that (laughs) it's like yeah i think we're going to be pretty upset about so so what he's basically saying is if if we don't find anything and we just remove him because we don't like him because we managed to take the house and the senate there's going to be some problems with that. And uh, and it's like, yeah, dude, that's right. There will be problems with that, Nielsen. But no, I, I agree with you. There's uh, there's just a complete lack of of any uh, reasonableness from, okay, uh, from the Democrats. Another, here's another thing. Here's another thing you never hear, right? So the big plan is to get rid of Trump, right? So what's after that? Yeah, I don't. Like, I mean, I don't know. They just hate Trump so much. Trump, he's out. He's in peace. He's in jail. His entire family's in jail. Anybody who ever said a nice thing about him is in jail, censored on the internet, and shut up so that no one in the world can ever hear a positive thing about him ever again. Okay, that you you succeeded. So what's next? What do you? It, Pence, Pence is the president. Do we put Hillary in? I mean, do we let the CIA tell us who they want to be the president next? Maybe we, maybe uh, that uh, Ed McMuffin or whatever his name was, the McMuffin dude, the the CIA dude in Utah, the Mormon. Uh, uh, who's next? Mc, McMullen, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know, man. It's it's. Look, the good news is Nielsen. I don't think it's going to come to that, but I, I can't I can't guarantee it. And I hear you. Your frustration, I I share it, and I I hope that you feel like at least on this show we we. Uh, Tell it like it is about all this stuff. Thank you for calling in Shields High. Felix from Pennsylvania, our good buddy. How are you, Felix? Hey, Buck, how are you? Hey, I had a, a couple thoughts, but first one quick one you might enjoy. Did you ever think that Alex Jones might be an Illuminati plant to make conspiracies and conspiracists look bad? No. Have a little fun with that. <laughs> okay. Thanks, man. Well, okay. What else? No, but you know what? I, I'm also very aggravated. I really would like to see President Trump exercise his constitutional authority and fire all these people, charge them with something, get a special prosecutor to investigate the investigation, you know? And uh, I think that Sessions is a deep state plan. 
Really? Because he, yeah, come I, on. Look at look at look at Lindsey Graham, right? Lindsey Graham claims to be behind Donald Trump, but he doesn't want anybody uh, uh, getting in the way of the Mullen. I don't know, Pennsylvania Felix. I think you're just Southern shaming right now. Lindsey Graham and Sessions, you're just being mean to the South. Felix, thanks for calling in, man. I'll, I'll give it some thought. Appreciate it. Uh, I, I got a story for you about John Kerry, everybody. You're gonna like it. What is it? No, no. No no peek no peeksies, no peeking. I'll tell you uh, in just a few. It's summertime and you know what that means. Iced coffee time, my friends, and I like to make my own. I cold brew it and I only use Black Rifle coffee. I'm a subscriber, so I get my Black Rifle sent to me each month. So I don't have to go out there and try to track it down. I don't have to go to the store. It gets delivered to me. And I know that I am supporting a company owned and operated by veterans that gives back to veterans and also makes some friggin' delicious coffee. These guys are awesome, and they really care about the beverages that they craft. Give them a shot. Go check them out at blackriflecoffee.com slash buck. That's blackriflecoffee.com slash buck. Please do type in that coupon code buck15. That'll get you 15% off your order. So it's a great savings, and it tells the folks at Black Rifle, hey, I'm Team Buck, and I heard about them on the show, so it's really important. Check it out. BlackRifleCoffee.com slash Buck. Coupon code Buck15 for 15% off. Buck Sexton. Permission decoding the news and disseminating information with actionable intelligence. One Make, Make no mistake. America. Ready. Great. You're a great American. Again. This is the Buck Sexton Show. Activate. Former CIA analyst. Former member of the NYPD. Buck Sexton. It is Buck Sexton. Now. And we have the former administration. As, as represented by John Kerry. Not the best negotiator we've ever seen. He never walked away from the table. Except to be in that bicycle race where he fell and broke his leg. That's it. I said, don't tell him you broke your leg. Just stay inside. Say you don't want to negotiate. You'll make a much better deal. But he broke his leg. And I learned from that. At 73 years old, you never go into a bicycle race, okay? Just don't. You just don't do that. Trump trolling the carry there a little bit. No surprises. It's, uh, it's, it's quite a... Oh, man. Trump is the great. He is really the greatest show on earth. It's amazing, isn't it? But Kerry is in the headlines again. A little bit. Let's just make sure that we remember the standards that liberals pretend they have when they think it gives them an opportunity to get conservatives. Right. For example, oh, if you lie to federal investigators, you have to go to prison. Unless you're the director of the acting director of the FBI, McCabe, you lie three times under oath. Then, then apparently, no prison, right? Scooter Libby, prison. Martha Stewart, prison. General Flynn, prison. Maybe we'll see, but certainly criminal prosecution. So they say the law is the law until all of a sudden they don't want it to be the law anymore. I want you to remember that, because while I was saying the Logan Act is unconstitutional. It is unconstitutionally vague. It is a law 
that has never been enforced because it is really unenforceable. It would be like passing a law on cultural appropriation. What does it even mean? Nobody knows. So how can you enforce it? Well, you know, the most woke person in the room at any point in time would be the one assigned the task of enforcing, you know, of being the cultural appropriation police. Uh, but the Logan Act is technically a law. I think it's dumb, and I don't think anyone should ever be prosecuted on it, but it's a law. And liberals, you recall, back when Flynn was getting in trouble, liberals were screaming about the Logan Act, which most people are like, I don't even know what that is. Because you shouldn't, because no one's ever, how can a law be a law if it's never been used in over 200 years? Never, no one's ever even been prosecuted under it. 200 plus years. Okay. It's been around since the like the the founding of the republic, basically. I think like seventeen or no eighteen o two. I think I just did that off the top of my head. Amazing. Uh, so the Logan Act's been around for a long time. They were making a big deal about the Logan Act, but it was important that they do so because Sally Yates, who is a deep state, dishonest, anti-Trump hack, but Sally Yates, remember she had to run over. With all the latest news about whatever she had heard about Flynn, because that because they were looking into whether Flynn was violating the Logan Act, DOJ was using the Logan Act as an excuse to look into Flynn's activities. Oh, that's right. Oh, the Logan Act. Maybe he's violating it. So now we're going to, you know, monitor his activities, maybe do a little surveillance of of the incoming national security advisor, which this really is police state, deep state stuff going on. But they use the Logan Act. Now, remember that. Sally Yates, oh, she's so ethical, so honorable. Right? Wouldn't do her job as acting attorney general. Forced her own firing by refusing to do her job. And don't forget also, the Supreme Court's going to find that the travel ban, I mean, this is my prediction, but I'm going to be right. The travel ban is constitutional. So that means that Sally Yates was so woke that she was asleep at the wheel when it came to doing her job at the Department of Justice, at the top of the DOJ. Um, but this is from the Boston Globe. I just want to give a high five to all my Boston peeps listening to the Buck Sexton show right now. Boston Globe writing uh, the following. John Kerry's bid to save one of his most significant accomplishments as Secretary of State took him to New York on a Sunday afternoon two weeks ago, where more than a year after he left office, he engaged in some unusual shadow diplomacy with a top Iranian official. Kerry sat down with the United Nations Foreign Minister Javad, oh, at the United Nations with Foreign Minister Javad Zarif to discuss ways of preserving the pact limiting Iran's nuclear weapons program. It was the second time in about two months that the two had met to strategize over salvaging a deal they spent years negotiating during the Obama administration, according to a person briefed on the meetings. Uh, it goes on. It goes on. Oh, we're going to dig into this. Don't worry, but it goes on. I see uh, Gergen's, Gergen's on CNN right now. He's probably talking Carrie, you know, Carrie's negotiating around JCPOA. Remember Gurgling with Gergen? We haven't done it in a while. David Gergen's over on CNN. 
Nixon, Ford, and met with Kerry and, and Gorbachev and Reagan and Yeltsin, and, and then you know negotiated Reagan Nixon. Uh. But if you were to turn on the volume on CNN right now, you would, that's what you would hear. There's some variation of it, I'm telling you. Uh, anyway, back to Kerry. This is from this Boston Globe piece. Kerry also met last month with German President Frank-Walter Steinmeier. Guten Tag. And he's been on the phone with top European official Federica Mogherini, according to the source who spoke of the condition of anonymity. Kerry has also met with French President Emmanuel Macron. Mais oui, bien sûr. In both Paris and New York, conversing over the details of sanctions and regional nuclear threats in both French and English. That's in the piece, by the way. They throw that in there. Because John Kerry's so fancy. He's so bougie. I love John Kerry. He speaks all these different languages. Yes, that's right. Uh... Someone explain to me how this is not a violation of the Logan Act. Now, I've been consistent. I think the Logan Act is garbage. But if the Logan Act can be used to go after and justify the uh, annihilation of General Michael Flynn, why, why aren't the media, every single media entity, including the Washington Post and others, who are writing think pieces as well as hard news pieces about the violation of the Logan Act that Kizilyak, uh, that uh, that uh, Michael Flynn was engaged in by speaking to the Russian ambassador Kizilyak uh, before their the incoming administration, they I need them to write pieces now explaining how John Kerry meeting in secret with the Iranian foreign minister to help them strategize a way to undermine the current administration. And its policies vis-a-vis Iran, which is exactly what they're trying to do, undermine the policy. How that would not be a violation of the Logan Act. And throw put, just throw out for a second, put aside the Logan Act. How is this not counterproductive to U.S. foreign policy right now? Why is John Kerry trying to help the Iranians? I, I just want to know. Why does he think that he gets to run his own shadow foreign policy. Who, by the way, has always been a deeply unimpressive guy. If John Kerry doesn't marry very rich women, not, not, not one, but two very wealthy women, he's not the senator from Massachusetts and he's not some big deal. I'm just saying. Financed his political life and campaigns with money made by other men. I mean, this is what this guy did. Uh, so someone explained to me why we're not seeing those pieces on the Logan Act? No, nothing? No answers? Nobody? Yeah, that's what I thought. It's almost like liberals have no principles at all. It's all just one big game to them. Or or maybe one big battle. I mean, it's a game except they're they're taking casualties here. People are actually, you know, losing their livelihood, their reputations, uh, their freedom because of the games that liberals play. So it's it's not games like ha ha funny games. This is uh, this is a disgrace. John Kerry has no business meeting with the Iranian foreign minister and trying to actively undermine current U.S. government foreign policy. This is the former secretary of state. He knows better. He should know better. And there's there's no excuse for this, but they will come. They, I, I guarantee you they will come up with excuses for him or they just won't really talk about this much. Yeah. You know, John Kerry, he's 
you know, he's not a character in the West Wing, folks. It's not all right for him to just do this. It's one thing if liberals want to live in fantasy land. John Kerry's not supposed to play along and provide them with a fantasy land here. Uh, and that's what's happening. Uh, it's very, it's, it's really, it, it's amazing. It's so brazen. But I, I suppose we're in the, in this era of Trump, liberals don't even pretend to have any scruples anymore. Their only scruple is destroy Trump, even if it brings down the administration. I'm sorry, even if it brings down the country, they want to bring down the administration. Um, this is a big, this is a big deal. All right, 844-900-BUCK if you want to call in. We've got uh, a whole lot more show coming your way. Uh, and uh, I'll be, uh, stay right there. There is no better time to tell you about this than now. G4 tequila, right as we are going into Cinco de Mayo weekend. Have you ever celebrated this holiday in the past? I don't know. But this might be your first time. It might be a tradition for you. There's no better way to ring in Cinco de Mayo than with a cold glass of G4 in your hand. It's great for making mixed drinks. You can take it for margaritas. You could have it straight up on the rocks. I'm telling you, once you try this, you'll be like, I had no idea tequila could be so delicious. It's my favorite tequila brand. I'm going to be having some this weekend, and I am really looking forward to it. Visit G4 Tequila. Dot life for more details g4 tequila dot life or give them a like on facebook at facebook.com slash g4 tequilas craft your own luxury How many of you miss Keith Olbermann? I'm guessing very few. <laughs> I'm guessing not very many. Uh, and, and you know, he's a guy who, let's just say, managed to even turn his own people against him over time. Um, but, Miss Precious Perfect. You guys remember, the best thing Ben Affleck has ever done, ever, and I mean ever, including Goodwill Hunting, which I actually like as a movie, although it's not as good as people think it is, but it's, it's pretty good. Um. The best thing Ben Affleck has ever done, in my opinion, is actually his impersonation of Keith Olbermann on Saturday Night Live. It may be one of my favorite, like, top ten SNL sketches of all time. It's like, Miss Precious Perfect and the Condominium Board. It's amazing. It's the best thing that he's ever done. Anyway, the real Keith Olbermann, uh, you will recall, tried to make a big comeback by being the, the hashtag resistance video blogger at GQ for a while. But uh, the, he, w- he was really channeling the high dudgeon of the left over Michael Flynn and the, uh, the, the, the whole Logan Act thing that they were talking about. So just remember, this was, this was seen by a lot of folks, and this was a big deal at the time. This was what Keith Olbermann was saying about Flynn and the Logan Act. I call for the immediate indictment of Michael Thomas Flynn on charges of and his immediate (laughs) arrest on suspicion of violations of the Logan Act. I call for his immediate suspension, resignation, or dismissal as the National Security Advisor to the President of the United States of America. I call for the immediate investigation of whether his relationship with the Russian government is limited to activities covered by the Logan Act, or if he is acting as an agent of the Russian government, or as in the past, acting as a paid employee of companies affiliated with the Russian government. I call for Senators Graham and McCain and any remaining patriotic Americans on the Republican senatorial roster, if any there yet be, 
to fulfill their promise of weeks ago to immediately conduct a full, open, and limitless investigation into Russian hacking during the election, into Russian coordination with the Republican presidential campaign during the election, and into the contact between the Russians and the transition team between the time of the election and the time of the inauguration. He went on a few seconds later to say the Logan Act for the third time, by the way. So I just, I just want to know, is the Logan Act a big deal or not? I, I, I think it's not, but to every hack journalist out there, to every hack journalist out there, if you ever said or wrote or in any way linked General Flynn, who is facing felony criminal charges, uh, so they were just trying to find a way to justify burying that guy. If you ever link General Flynn and Logan Act and you do not do the same thing now with John Kerry, you are a hack. As a journalist, you are a straight up partisan hack with no principles, no integrity, no honesty. Here's a prediction. Very, very few mainstream journalists are going to raise the issue of the Logan Act in the same uh, sentence, in the same story as John Kerry, even though this is actually what the Logan Act is meant to prevent. Exactly this. It's one thing for an incoming national security advisor to try to have a relationship with his counterparts. It's another thing for the former government. This isn't just Logan Act, friends. This is John Kerry as shadow secretary of state. This is deep state Logan Act stuff. This is, I used to be in charge. I'm going to act like I'm still in charge to subvert the people who are in charge on my side, at least officially, (laughs) in this country. I think it's a big deal. Dr. Rick in Silver Spring, Maryland, has got some thoughts on this. What's up, Dr. Rick? Oh, fuck. Hey, I tell you, thank you for putting this out, but you're not good for my mental health. (laughs) This is absolutely mind-numbing that this can occur, um, that we can have such a disparity in the application of, the, of law that, that uh, you know, Hillary and her team can take hammers to, to cell phones and scrub um, hard drives and nothing happen to them and have absolute perjury happen. And, and yet uh, uh, Flynn, where the actual FBI agents who investigated him said, he did not lie. Uh, you know, at, at what point will the Republicans um, get some, some brass cojones and start screaming at the top of their lungs to get past the press who is absolutely colluding on this stuff? Yeah, the, the, they are destroying any sense that the, the law is impartial at, at, the, at the federal level on any kind of political issue. They're destroying it, Dr. Rick. There's not going to be much left when when the liberals are through with it. I mean, that's really the that's really the path that we're on right now, because they they keep that's, thinking that the law is a is like their own little personal tool for political vengeance against Trump and to avenge Hillary, and they're doing a tremendous amount of damage to the country in the process. I absolutely agree, and you've said this before that you know you, you used to wonder, okay, are they just delusional? What's going on? But now it's gotten to the point that, wait a minute, this is purposeful. You can't be that out of touch um, to not know that you're absolutely presenting falsehoods 
um, uh, to the American people. But I, I do think they're going to poke the bear, which are conservatives and right-leaning people who are law-abiding, law-loving people, to a point where they're actually going to, I think they're, they are going to act up, don't mean violently, absolutely not, but that they're going to start adopting some tactics of the other side because we can't, it's just an uneven fight. Oh, we'll have to see. Dr. Rick, man, have a great weekend, and thank you so much for calling in. Always good to hear from you out in, uh, out in Maryland. Um, I, I'm gonna really, we're going to really stay on this one because uh, this, is, this is not okay. There is no way they can, no way the left, no way the Democrats can slither out of this one. There is, they're, they're either going to hammer carry for this, which they won't, by the way, or they're just exposing themselves as the most disreputable and disgraceful hacks imaginable. I think we all know what's going to end up happening here. But we're going to hold their feet to the fire as much as we can. Uh, 844-900-BUCK. If you want to chat, we've got uh, much more coming up, including um, a discussion of Cinco de Mayo later on and a really bizarre and real article about a new feminist romance trend it involves fish folks i you're gonna have to stay with me and we'll get to it he's back with you now because when it comes to the fight for truth the buck never stops you know we had to change my mascot, uh, my college mascot, not that I'm somebody, I have, I have like not really set foot on the campus since I graduated, um, maybe once or twice. I gave a speech a while back. We had to change it from a Lord Jeff's because there was a little misunderstanding about handing the natives some blankets with smallpox a long time ago. Alleg- allegedly, never proven in a court of law, never admitted by Lord Jeff himself. You know? There were there were rough 18th century rough stuff was going on. I don't know what to tell you. You know, they didn't understand microbiology then, really. So I don't understand how to say that this was an early case of germ warfare seems like quite a stretch to me. Uh, but that's what they always say that he gave smallpox inflect, uh, infected blankets to the natives, and so we can't have him anymore. And that means that you know, if you were to wear a waistcoat and breeches on Amherst campus now you would now just be making a, a fashion statement. It would no longer be tied to the mascot. I can't believe this. I was just in D.C. I actually heard about this from a a uh, uh, a student, a GW student. She said, you know, we're they're changing our mascot. I said, well, what, are they, what do you mean? What's wrong with your mascot? The GW mascot for the last 92 years has been the Colonials. How is that offensive? They think it's offensive. Because colonials sounds like colonialism. Colonials is not colonialism. In fact, the colonials that we're referring to here at GW, George Washington University, uh, got rid of their colonial masters and, you know, shot them because they were trying to tax our breakfast beverage. That's a bigger stretch than cocaine, Mitch. Right? Bigger stretch than cocaine, Mitch. Thank you, producer Mike. Absolutely. And here's the thing, you know what, this is not, we're only allowed to have animals now until people start talking about how we're really, you know, animals have feelings too. And then we're just going to be left with like different foliage, you know, we're the, you know, the Amherst College uh, birch trees. Ooh, you know, we got nothing. They're changed. They want to change the GW mascot 
to the poison oak is John. No, don't kid about it, my friend. Until you once you've experienced it, ooh, can be rough. Can be rough. Uh, they're changing to the hippos. That's what they want to change to the, the hippos, which is weird on a number of levels. First of all, everyone who, like me, spent way too much time late at night watching nature shows will tell you that it's either the number one or number two most dangerous animal, but usually it's number one. Most dangerous animal on the whole continent of Africa, which, as you know, lions, hyenas, jag, uh, no, wait, no, not jag, yeah, jaguars, they got all kinds of crazy cool animals, obviously. Most dangerous animal on the African continent is a hippopotamus. And if you've ever seen what hippos look like when they're mad, we, I was, we were misled as kids. Remember Hungry Hungry Hippo, the game? Hungry Hungry Hippo. It's like, actually, kid, Hungry Hippo will eat you. Like, it's not a cute animal that you can, uh, that you can get near. And well, wait, what, what do you got for me? I just want to test your knowledge here. Um, I oh. quickly looked to see what the most dangerous wa- animals were. Can you tell me what the second most dangerous animal is? Water buffalo. No, you are. That's almost close. A mosquito. That doesn't count. That's malaria. Come on, get it. That's not even. That's just, hey. Uh, by the way, that's actually number one by far. Malaria is the most, malaria is killed of any, I mean, uh, mosquitoes of any animal have killed more people than every other animal in history combined. So whatever list you're reading off of there right now, I'm calling party foul on it. And But was water buffalo number three? Is, is there more than two on the list? I don't even know what list he's looking at, team. This is in real time. I'm trying to fact check the buck. No, it's just a list of the most dangerous animals in Africa. There. So what else is on it? Now everyone wants to know. Um Elephants. I don't. Water buffalo actually is. Yeah, you don't mess with elephants. They're yeah. they they get angry and it's it's uh they crush people. Give it the top five. Um, so elephants three. Uh, the black mamba is four. Yeah, snake. Yeah. And the Nile crocodile. All right. Yeah, I'll take that. But yeah, hippos. The mo- hippos are very aggressive, very territorial. Um. So in that sense, I'm not saying it's a terrible mascot. I'm just saying, really, colonials now they just want to destroy. They just want to destroy our shared heritage. You know. They, they, uh, they really do. Yeah, I, I, I think at the, or I think we're at a point now where if you tried to, if you tried to name your mascot the founding fathers, people would have an issue with it. I've always said it's just a matter of time before they're like George Washington University. We got a problem here. George Washington owned slaves, so we're gonna have to rename the university, even though the city you're in is Washington. Pretty sure it's named for the same guy. It's gonna happen at some point, right? I have also said that. So Yale is one of my favorite cases. Yale will change the name of one dorm, Calhoun, because Calhoun was a pro-slavery, uh, pro-slavery senator. Um, so they changed Calhoun dorm, but they will not change the name of the university because it's a multi-multi-billion-dollar institution with you know hundreds of years of history behind it uh, that they profit off of because it's all about the name. But Elihu Yale was a slave trader. Not not even just a slave owner. He actually was the guy involved in in the mass transportation of enslaved human beings. That's what Yale's named for. I'm just I'm just saying. Horace in South Carolina, you're up. What's up? Yes, sir. I've got the first movie quote for you. Oh, all right, an uh, awesome movie quote, indeed. It's an awesome movie quote. Uh, now I'm going to probably butcher it a little bit of the back and forth, and I'm not doing the back and forth. But here you go. Oh wow! So you're really actually giving me a monologue, but go or, or, or no, a dialogue? No, no, it's just a few lines. Okay. Okay. All right. Here we go. 
Have you heard of St. Croix? Well, we're going to the island just left of St. Croix. It's called Ted's. Uh, weekend at Bernie's? I don't know. Nope. nope. Captain Ron. Ah, very nice. I mean. Come on, that's an awesome movie, man. No, but is that an awesome movie quote? The quote yeah. has to be awesome, not just the movie. Like you can't yeah. come, you can't come at me with like uh, a guy from, you know, you can't say to me, Dana, are these the eggs, and expect me to know that that's from Ghostbusters. You know what I mean? But I do know that, obviously. But you can't expect me to know that. Come on, I mean, that's, that's a pretty popular quote from the movie. <laughs> okay, man, I'll have to take. I'm actually at Horace Shields High. Thank you for the call, brother. I appreciate it. I've actually never seen Captain Ron, so I'll be honest with you. Never, I've never seen Captain Ron. Um, hold on a second. Uh, I have got some Cinco de Mayo stuff to talk to you about. Oh, and this weird feminist thing. Guys, there's a, there's an article. It's a big article on the Huffington Post. It's about fish sex. That's what it's called. I Just stay right there, and I'll tell you about it. You're going to think that I'm making this up. I'm not, okay? I tell you the left is crazy, and you must think, oh, he does a radio show. He's just trying to be provocative or entertaining or whatever, but I really mean it. Like, they have embraced lots of delusions. They have had a break with reality on a whole bunch of issues, Russia-Trump collusion, among others, but in some things, they spiral so so out of the boundaries of normalcy that it's even hard for me to believe. You're going to think I'm making this up. I'm not. Big story on the Huffington Post today, or big piece, I should say. I'm reading the title. John, don't think I'm being weird. I'm reading the title. Why is fish sex so hot right now in investigation? Yeah, that's right. Oh, no, we're going there. We're going. It's the Huffington Post. We're... 50 bajillion uniques a month. We're the Huffington Post. 50, 50 million uniques. That's like barely even the, the bottom of the barrel. Like we have whole sections on yoga, on doing stretching, and Ariana is always here for you. You just have to give her a chance. She'll tell you, you know, just become a millionaire and you can sleep 12, 15 hours a day too. No problem. Yeah, she sold it, but she's super rich now, but she's still, you know... Being Ariana, whatever, John, don't let the facts get in the way of a good story. So I just like to do the Ariana voice sometimes. But this piece is really, this is under the culture and arts section, not under the farce section. The culture and arts section. Why is fish sex so hot right now? I'm going to read to you some of this because you're going to be like, Buck, you're exaggerating. Oh, Oh, no, I'm not. Quote, time for the easiest game for if you love this movie, read this book ever. If you love The Shape of Water, a movie about fish sex. And the quote for a second here. I told you guys it's a movie about a woman who has a sexual relationship with her aquarium pet. That's what it is. And it won Best Picture. You know what didn't win Best Picture? Saving Private Ryan years ago. You know what won Best Picture now? The fish sex movie. So we are in trouble as, as a society and, and as a species, dare I say. Um, all right. Uh, she goes on. 
You should definitely read The Pisces by Melissa Broder, a book about fish sex. The cover literally shows a woman in an amorous clinch with a fish. The novel actually tells the story of a woman who has a torrid love affair with a merman. Now, for those who are wondering, a merman is, in fact, the male version of a mermaid. Um, She goes on here. One fish sex opus in the space of a year might be a blip. Two seems very much like a trend. You could even call it three, considering last summer's Made for Love by Alyssa Nutting, in which a male romance scammer becomes exclusively attracted to dolphins, though to be clear, dolphins are not fish. So she's pointing out these different stories about people that are having sexual relationships with aquatic creatures. Now, you may be saying, Buck, there must be some high... Uh, high concept social commentary going on here. Um, And and this is all meant as allegory or there's some literary license about all this, right? That the fish are actually humans or something. Oh, no. Oh, no. What passes for feminist analysis of the current uh, state of American males is as follows. Quote, women. This is from this author who's writing about fish sex and explaining why there's a trend in pop culture, folks, it won the best picture. OK, I'm not I'm not exaggerating this stuff. And now it was like the it was like the piece that got the most attention on the Huffington Post today. I think it was actually on the front page today. I'm not I think it was on the front page. Don't quote me on that, though. Here's what she writes, quote, women woke up one day. To find their husbands voted for Donald Trump and their sons have been posting on incel boards incel meaning involuntary uh, celibate. Even before we heard the claims about Harvey Weinstein's history of sexual harassment and assault and the ensuing avalanche of other horrifying Me Too allegations, we heard about the president grabbing women, Bill Cosby feeding women roofies, and R. Kelly allegedly sexually exploiting young girls. So many straight men we have been forced to accept are bad to and for us. Why should we take the enormous risk of loving one of them. One seductive yet impossible fantasy might be the romantic attention of a man who lacks the exhausting baggage of male entitlement. Add the quote. Okay, everybody. She's actually saying men in the age of Trump have become so icky that woke feminists, maybe I repeat myself there, but but the truly woke feminists are now embracing a literature and a literary uh, conceit here, a literary conception of women who get their romantic. I, I'm not making this up. Who, who who have their. I mean. Roma- the romantic needs met. By scaly creatures of the sea. John, we are. I know, dude, I'm I'm, I'm embarrassed for for the Huffington Post, too, but. This is some crazy nutso stuff here. Uh, and, and it just goes to show that it was not it was not some uh, conceptual uh, commentary on American culture or something. When that movie, uh, The Shape of Water, won Best Picture, it's a, it's a movie about a woman who has sex with a fish. And th- this piece talks about other 
people and their experiences with fish and with dolphins. I don't, don't even get, I mean, this is what it's talking about. And then it goes on to blame men and, and makes references to how men are not cleaning up the toilet enough or the bat not the toilet, the bathroom enough and men are gross and smelly and they're jerks and they vote for Trump. This is like a, a parody of progressive feminists today, this entire piece, and just shows how completely bonkers they've actually become. Do you know about the producer Mike stepped out for do you know about the fish sex piece on the Huffington Post? How it's in style now. The 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 the, the modern woke feminist fantasy involves I mean the cover of this book is actually a woman embracing romantically a fish. Not even like a, a dude who has fish like characteristics. You know, it's not like a, we're not talking about like the guy from uh, the Avengers, you know, who's actually who just swims real fast, whatever. His name, you know what I'm talking about? Aquaman. Yeah, no, he's handsome. He's a handsome fellow. I mean, that's and he's a, he's a human being. So that's OK. Uh, we're talking about straight up female fish love. Producer Mike, I'm telling you right now, he just looked at his screen and it looks like somebody burped three day old spaghetti and meatballs in his face. He really is not. He it's disgusting, right, dude? You're it's terrific. It. It's crazy. Huffington Post, folks, cult cultural icon. What I think about this sex with the fishes, the many fishes and the sex right now. It's very, uh, very cutting edge. No jokes about about tackle and and hooks. It's very sad. Uh, this this whole thing is crazy, man. I, I actually I saw people tweeting about it today, and I figured they must be taking that out of context or there, there must be something going on here that I'm, I'm missing. Oh no, no, they, they're just right. Yep. Yep. They're just writing about, about fish sex and being super, super weird in the whole process. So I, I keep, I keep it on the straight and narrow. I told you guys, I was like, the shape of water is boring and weird. I'm as, I'm as traumatized after watching the shape of water as I was after seeing the Hills have eyes, which no human being should ever, you should not. Have you ever seen it, dude? John has seen it. John, I still have nightmares. It's the like the Yeah, oh yeah, the uncut version on Cinemax at like three o'clock in the morning. It was the most horrific thing. I I'm like, who could watch this? It's the The Shape of Water was like that for me. Like it 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 traumatized my brain. All right, maybe I'm exaggerating now a little bit, but we're at the end of the segment. I'm trying to give it some punch. Uh, hour three coming up. We're gonna talk Cinco de Mayo celebrations, including one of my favorite stories to tell you all about my own. Cinco de Mayo passed, and uh, then we got a whole bunch of roll call coming. It, it's going to be going to be quite a fiesta. Stay with me. Buck Sexton, permission decoding the news and disseminating information with actionable intelligence. One small thing. Make no mistake. America, great. You're a great American again. This is the Buck Sexton Show. Activate. Former CIA analyst. Former member of the NYPD. Buck Sexton. It is Buck Sexton. Now. Great to have you with me here for hour three of the Buck Sexton Show back in NYC. I'm going to tell you all something. It's a little embarrassing. A little embarrassing. It's a, this is a true story. So, uh, And I've got other train stories for you later. So I took the train up to New York, you know, because producer Mike and I, we're basically now holding down both ends of the Acela Corridor. We've got, you know, this, the swamp in D.C. and the communist enclave here in New York City. Uh but I was on the train and I got off at the wrong Penn Station. I was not paying attention. I know it's really embarrassing. I was not paying attention. I like was kind of in a daze. I've been up since 
5 o'clock in the morning because I had to do some super secret cool stuff down in D.C. today. And I saw Penn Station. And this is this is the part of it that really, though, stuck with me. I walked off the train and I look around. And I'm like, this doesn't look like Penn Station. And then there's a part of my brain that's like, Buck, you were in D.C. all week. You've just forgot. You know, you've forgotten. You lost a little bit of your New York edge. Clearly, this is one of those secondary unloading points of the Penn Station that is in Midtown Manhattan. And I kind of walked around. I actually got as far as to get outside of the station. And I'm looking around. You were walking around Newark? I was indeed. And I was like, this doesn't look like Midtown Manhattan. Like like a straight up, like like Belky Bartokamus would have been looking at me like, Buck, come on. You can't. Do, come on, man. Like... Don't forget, Uncle Yagbigbar would be like so upset with you, you know. Like it was, yeah. Um, I I was wandering around outside New. I was wandering around the train station in Newark, being like, "This doesn't look like Penn Station. It's the other Penn Station." Apparently, there are a few. Isn't there? It's Philadelphia Union Station too. They should rename. This is okay. This is Philadelphia Thirty Three Station. But I do have to tell you, you are not. The only one who's ever made that mistake. A very good friend of mine did the same thing last year. Really? And I mean, I've taken that train over a hundred times. Never done this before. Today was the first time ever. So it's it's like a little reminder. It's like a little bit of a little bit of uh, you know humility, where uh, you you stand or you walk around and and like I didn't at first. Also, I didn't want to believe that I could do anything that dumb because. Straight up, like people with giant maps out and fanny packs on who had been in the States for a grand total of five minutes would be like, dude, come on. You, 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 got, you got New York City and Newark confused and you're from New York City. Anyway, look, I, I don't hide these things from you, team. I tell you the truth because I want you to know what's really, what's really going on. And uh, yeah, that's how it is. Oh, another thing today. Um, May the 4th be with you is not a thing. People can try to make this a thing, not a thing. And let me tell you, and let me tell you why. It's not because I'm all like, oh, it's nerdy and, you know, why don't you guys all hang out at a Star Trek convention or something, which I know, I know, John, it's different. But let's be real here. First of all, the J.J. Abrams reboot, I'm just going to say it. It's trash. It's just not good. He's got these huge budgets. He could do whatever he wants. I tried to watch the last one. I'm like... They're making a movie about endless outer worlds and space aliens and fights with laser guns. Boring. How do you do that? How do you do that? I I mean, and everything, it's like, it's all the, the resistance is all like the United Nations now coming together. Be like, well, like we have to all have some kind of a coordinated response to the empire. I'm like, oh my gosh. It was just really boring. I really lost it when they're... Have you seen it, by the way? There's, like, little crystal animals that run around. There's little... You, do you even know what... John, do you know what I'm talking about? It, it's one of these things where you see it, and you're like, whoever came up with this idea, I don't like to be a mean person, but they should be fired. They should be fired. Mean, last night, though, because I was staying at a hotel for the night, Tombstone came on, which I will say is... I, I don't know. I go back and forth between... Greatest Western of all time and just one of the greatest movies of all time. I I just am a big fan of Tombs. It is highly watchable. The whole thing goes. I think it's Val Kilmer's best work. I know you can tell me the doors, but 
you know, how much how much organ playing can you really hear before you're like, I get it, I get it, the doors, drugs and organ playing, I get it, you know? Uh, anyway, it, it is it is what it is. Uh, so may, may the 4th be with you is, is not a thing. And uh, I think that we shouldn't try to try to force this into into being a thing. I think that we're 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 being misled and made to think that somehow this is something that's uh, that's going on that we need to pay attention to. It's just not good. It's not it's not quality. So this is where I want to tell. Uh, maybe I'll tell you the abbreviated version of uh, Buck's Cinco de Mayo story. Have I ever told you this, producer Mike? Since right now it's really the the whole campus uh, free speech or in this case campus censorship movement and everything has gotten a lot of steam the last couple of years. And we know who the real fascists are. They're actually the administrators and majority of the student bodies on these campuses. So I'm a fre- I was a freshman in college at the time. And OSS squad, I know you've or OSS because that's repetitive. I know you've heard this one before, but I just we got a lot of new folks that have joined the team in the last year. So here we go. So I'm a freshman and I'm told that each dorm, each freshman dorm at at Amherst College has to throw a a party. And I'm like, well, that sounds like a good time. So let's do that. And sure enough, my dorm was assigned the day may fit. So of course we are going to throw. So there's like a, maybe a hundred people live in this dorm and you know, the, we're and it's a, for the whole campus. It is a campus wide party. It's not like uh, just for your friends. It's you invite the whole campus, uh, which at, at Amherst is 1600 people. So for, for a lot of you are like, that's the size of my high school. But anyway, so we invite this, we invite the whole, the whole campus and we all had different, uh, we had assignments, not everybody. I was on the party planning committee. Okay. So I think it's, I think I was a good choice for that. So I'm on the party planning committee and I'm, I'm trying to coordinate with the different folks. And we had a meeting where we're like, what do we do for our Cinco de Mayo party? So we can, um, we can put it out there that this is what we're doing. And of course there'll be a lot of non-alcoholic beverages served because we have freshmen and sophomores who are not yet 21 and, Clearly, that is a law that every college campus respects always. That's that's right. John just gave me a thumbs up. Uh, you know, no drink until you're legal, folks. And, you know, so I was going to have lots of, like, Tropicana on hand, not just for mixers. And we, we had a, a young woman who was assigned, who was something of an artist, and she took it upon herself to be in charge of invitations. And I didn't think this was something that uh, could be a problem, but it turned out to be quite a problem. And and you know what? This is we got something of a cliffhanger here. Let me just tell you that I will give you the full details of my first brush with the campus thought police in just a moment. Stay right there. Nine Line Apparel is a veteran-owned and operated patriotic lifestyle brand, and for just a few more days, they have a wonderful partnership in place with NASCAR driver Jeffrey Earnhardt. Now, they want to give back to the children of our nation's fallen, and so from now through May 9th, if you go to NineLineApparel.com, you can get their Remember the Fallen Memorial Day shirt. So just until May 9th now. 
And with each shirt purchased, you have the option of submitting the name of a fallen soldier. And these heroes' names will cover Jeffrey Earnhardt's car at the Coca-Cola 600 over Memorial Day weekend in Charlotte. Go, please, honor the legacy of those heroes who have been lost. Go to NineLineApparel.com. You can get this exclusive Memorial Day t-shirt, as well as all the other patriotic apparel offered there at NineLineApparel.com. Remember the fallen at NineLineApparel.com. So tomorrow, Cinco de Mayo, and I'm telling you about my first big Cinco de Mayo party and how it was a learning experience because I got to see what it was like to be on the wrong side of campus politics. As I said, so we're we're throwing up we're throwing a campus wide party. I mean, this is straight out of PCU. It's like we're not going to protest and we're just going to throw a big party, right? Ever, ever the whole campus invited, and a young woman, who to this day will remain nameless, volunteered to be in charge of the invitations. And I'm just like, well, this is easy, right? You know, it, it, it's a party invitation. How how? But sure enough, I remember walking across the quadrangle. Fancy name for a plot of grass. And and a couple of uh, upper class women whom I knew, some seniors, looked at me. They were just like, what did you do? Like with this. And they said it, too. They're, uh, I'm like, uh, and I'm racking my brain. I'm like, oh, gosh, like, what have I done? Like, you know, I don't know. Do I, do I remember? What did I do? Um, and, and they're like, and one of them had it on her because they just come back from the campus, the student center where they have all the mailboxes. And they, she holds up this, and I'm not going to say that I was the most well-known freshman in my dorm, but obviously I was. And so she holds up this, this flyer, and it had, and I had, I to this day, team, I'm telling you the truth. By the way, I've tried to find it. I have not been able to track it down. One of my friends claims to have it, but whenever I ask him, he's like, I can't find it right now. So this flyer for the party that this young woman of South Asian descent herself, by the way, which comes into our story shortly, Drew uh, said in big block letters, she was an artist, I'll give her that, come celebrate your Mexican independence, uh, Sanco de Mayo South Dormitory Party, which is, we'll get to the problem there in a second. And then she had drawn on it a a somewhat portly fellow of... Latin extraction, I would assume, with a rather large handlebar mustache, two bottles of some kind of liquor, a poncho, and a sombrero who was stumbling with his eyes X'd out. And I look at this and I just remember thinking, oh, no. I'm like, this is not good. This is not this is not going to work out for the Buckster. The Buckster's in some trouble here because, you know, white male, patriarchy, college campus, big party, alcohol, the whole thing. And the campus went nuts. There are all we had this message board that was because this is in the early days of the Internet because I'm old. And, and there's this message board and people are posting stuff about how they were going to do a rally uh, to protest us. And, and the college administrators got involved 
and they they came in and they called an all door meeting, and I remember, and they were so fired up because they figured it was I live I was there was a bunch of guys on the lacrosse team. We we're all we we're all buddies. Were their names all like Buff, Biff, and Tad? Can neither confirm nor deny, but we were buds. And uh, I, I, they, they figure that one of us must have been the the perpetrator of the, uh, of the invitations. So we had to have this all door meeting, and one of the deans was there, and that's when I first got introduced to something I didn't even know existed, which were diversity educators. There are people whose full time job on this campus I didn't even know they existed until this because I'm a freshman, right? I what. Uh, they showed up and they were there to teach us about diversity. And, and by the way, to teach us about diversity. Meanwhile, on my freshman floor, I had a um, a Navajo, a Kenyan, a Singaporean, uh, a, a a girl from the Philippines, and and then like Tad Biff and and Buff, whatever from the lacrosse team. But but you know, we we had a very diverse we had a very diverse floor, a very diverse crew that was involved in this party. Uh, my class was actually 43% non-white, so it was a diverse school. Anyway, we had a diversity educator, and they're all excited to just nail one of us for this. And they always want to say a teachable moment, which means that you're going to have to walk around, like, you know, holding a book in each hand with your arms outstretched as somebody stands behind you and, like, like beats you with a, a cat of nine tails or something. Like, you're, you're going to get really punished. But it turns out that the only person who was responsible for the invitations was a minority female of South Asian descent. So, like, I remember when because she she volunteered to her credit, she was like, "Yeah, it was me," and she's like, "I didn't think I love this too." She's like, "I didn't think it was that bad," <laughs> which I was like, "Yeah." I mean, not that it wasn't that bad, but just like she's throwing down, like she's you know, because she knew like it wasn't really. They, what are they going to get her on? They're going to tell her that you know she's she's being racially insensitive. She herself was she was female and and a minority. Um, so anyway, so we, we ended up coming to a some kind of an agreement with the administration. This is the only time it ever happened. My four years there, they said that if we threw the party and violated the and violated the terms of the agreement, they wouldn't allow can they wouldn't have campus police break it up. They would call town police. And town police have nothing to do except arrest kids for underage drinking because there's literally nothing for them to do, right? The campus police, all they do is, like, come pour your cup out. You know, they're there. They had this whole system in place. It was kind of a great scam. They were actually deputized officers in, in the state of Massachusetts. But, you know, they didn't, they didn't arrest you for underage drinking. If you stepped off campus with a, uh, a beverage, if you, like, walked across the street and a town street and the cops, the town cops saw you, you were going to jail for the night. Full stop. Like, do not pass go. Do not collect $200. You're going to jail, and they're letting you out the next morning. But, like, that's how it was. So they said they were going to call the town cops on us. Um, and and so we, we had to agree to um, – no. we had to send back our sombreros because somebody had purchased sombreros. Who was in charge of that? I don't know. But whoever it was got a great price. I can tell you that. We had to send back the sombreros. No sombreros allowed to be worn. They did allow us to keep, because we actually had a, a, a couple of 21-year-olds in the dorm, so that was how we got around this. They allowed, it, they allowed us to keep the alcohol that we had, or at least they didn't say that was a... So there was a lot of, of beverages that were south of the border themed. It was a south of the border themed Cinco de Mayo party, 
right? So we were in South Dormitory, south of the Bordeaux, south of the border, Cinco de Mayo. Uh, but this is how I learned about diversity educators and campus politics and, and all the rest of it. And uh, they did not protest, which was nice. Um, oh, and they didn't want any loud, uh, what do you call them, um, uh, the, the traditional... No, mariachi, yeah, but but there's another. Um, I, I'm trying to remember. There's another a cor, corre, uh, corridor, corridor, uh, corridor, something. There's a um, a term. It's kind of like traditional Mexican music, and we, maybe somebody was planning on blasting that from the speakers, and we didn't do that. But and you know, in the end of the day, like the whole campus showed up. The like La Causa, which was the Latin the, the Latin house on campus. There was a thing called, that was they everyone showed. It was fine. It was fine, but I just, I can tell, oh, and also, of course, Mexican independence is not, this, this is the, and I'm going to get it wrong, I always forget, this is like a minor battle between the Mexicans and the French invaders, or like the French puppet, I, I forget, producer Mike, tell me, it's something like that, though, it's like the Mexicans beat the French, congrats, Mexico, you're, you're not, you're not the only ones, uh, so that's what, that's what this holiday is, is really all about, uh, yeah, right? Yeah, Mexicans beat the French at the Battle of, like, something. Puebla. Puebla. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not not anything uh, too exciting. It's not Mexican Independence Day. That's a different day. So, you know, I, I learned these things. So I, I hope that uh, if you're going to celebrate this weekend, just remember it's not Mexican Independence Day. Uh, I haven't seen—has there been a lot of uh, anger about cultural appropriation, about how this is just really Cinco de Mayo in the, in the States— is an opportunity for Corona to up its sales is what ends up happening, right? That's all I ever see. Forget about Corona. I shouldn't even mention it. We, we, we've got your answer, G4 Tequila. G4 Tequila.life. There you go. Uh, so when I come back, we're going to talk. Uh, no, we're not going to talk about that. We're going to do uh, some roll call, actually. That's what I'm looking forward to. We're going to actually double up on a roll call segment because it is Friday, and I'd like to hear from you. I'll tell you more stories from my day. Kind of a loose show today because I'm back in New York and uh, it's beautiful weather here. And it's kind of exciting. Well, I will say that in New York City, when the weather gets good, every everyone acts like they are the running back on a football team and you're in their way. Because they they where, whatever they're planning to do this weekend, they cannot get to it fast enough. So it's like, everybody get down! And you're just like, where are you going? It's like, I have weekend plans! Like, everyone's completely freaking out and self-obsessed. Roll call! Coming up. He's holding the line for America. Buck Sexton is back. Hey. Team Buck, it's time for Roll Call. Friday, so we need some dubstep roll call. Bam! You know I like the dubstep, John, especially on a Friday. Cinco de Mayo tomorrow. Everyone understands that if you're going to be celebrating Cinco de Mayo, you have to obviously get some G4 tequila to do it, right? Now is the best time ever. So I just want to make sure that we give a little extra plug to our wonderful sponsor, G4, for Sanco de Mayo. 
Is there an appropriation of the holiday that goes on in America? I don't know, and I don't care. I just know that if you're going to be rocking out with a margarita or drinking it straight up, I like salted rim myself. In fact, John, Miss Molly and I have been discussing, I am thinking about doing a a DIY uh, jalapeno pepper tequila, because you can infuse it. I'm I'm trying to infuse my tequila with a little bit of, Spice. I like it as I like a spicy amita ball, except in this case, a spicy tequila drink. So uh, that's that's what I've got planned and in store. Um, I very much enjoy doing roll call, especially on Fridays, as you know. So we're going to do we, we're going to do a, a little bit of an extended roll call today. Uh, I'm also up here in New York City with my guys, which is always fun, as, as you know. I miss them. I was only gone for a week, but I missed them. I was like, we should I should just do a FaceTime with John, Mike. Brandon and Miss Molly all at the same time. Hi, guys. Hi from D.C. Uh, but everything, everything's going great. I've got, uh, I believe, permission to make the big announcement on Monday. Although these things can change. But I, I think Monday I can tell you guys exactly what's going on. It's exciting. It's going to be great. And we're going to be able to do all kinds of cool new things together. So, Look forward to that, my friends. Uh, and in the meantime, we have roll call, which I should actually get to instead of just uh, yammering, um, which I like to do as well because I am a radio host and there's a fair bit of yammering that goes on. I, one thing I like about radio is that in, in this this job is the only thing in media that I do and other people who work in media are like, wait, bro, you really do three hours a night? And they're always like, How, do you have like two or three guests an hour? No, I might have a guest or two a show, maybe. Like, do you just take like calls the whole time? No, I take calls as we can, but we've got a lot to get through and we've got to balance it out. Uh, so, but like, how do you talk for three hours? Stupid question. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> well done, John. You know the uh, I, I was on the train. I, I you know I know I'm, we've got two roll call segments, so don't worry. This is I know I'm diverting here, or this is a diversion, a digression. I have a I have a magic power, John. I have a magic. You, you don't know about this one yet. I know you know that I have some other. You know, like my my hair, uh, for example, is technically ballistic. You know, ballistic proof. It, it's yeah. Like we we never tested it out, but I'm just saying that it would it would work as a ballistic helmet if need be. Uh, another magic power I have is that whenever I am on any form of public transportation, bus, train, plane, I am uh, like a a magnet. Like I, I gather around me anyone who has some terrible communicable cough. So like the flemmiest, like. The grossest cough imaginable. You know, if someone's like, yeah, I'm going to say it, hocking involuntary loogies about every five seconds, they're sitting right next to me and I'm right in the spray zone, my friend. I'm getting tagged with it left and right. So I, I, that also, if you have weapons grade halitosis, like the kind of halitosis or bad breath that could be seen from a distance, kind of like a, a, a cloud of mustard gas or something. You will also be seated right next to me, either behind me or, or, or beside me. 
Um, and then on top of that, my the final bit of my magic power is that if, if you're a really annoying, inconsiderate person on mass transit, you will find me. I don't know how it is possible, but there's there's something about my chi, my internal energy, that draws all the worst people to me. On the drive up, I had well. Now I, I want to be very. I had a not, first of all, it wasn't a drive; it was a train. So, Buck, get your stuff together. Uh, a woman came on the train who instantly pointed at me. She said, "You're Buck," and I'm like, "Yes." And she sat next to me, and she was lovely. She's like, oh, I follow you on Twitter. You know, Team Buck is great. You're a lovely person. A mom lives out in Long Island. Couldn't she was like, she was like, see, this is what I, I, what I was thinking about. This. She's the ideal seatmate, right? Really cool, chill. She was reading her on, you know, on her phone the whole time, and we chatted a little bit. But you know, it's a three and a half hour train ride. So if you're going to be blah 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 the whole time, it's a lot. She was perfect. A plus, of course, because she's Team Buck. A plus sits next to me on the train. We had a fun chat, and uh, and she's great. So I'm thinking, maybe I got lucky this time. Maybe my magic power wore off. And then behind me, I ha- there, there's like the like the grossest, flemmiest cough I've ever heard with like sneezes attached to. So I'm like, oh sweet, it's real. It's, this is like projectile style. It's going 20 feet. How true? How true? I mean, just sneezing and sneezing. And uh, I don't know if it was allergies or whatever. It was a a, a young lady and, and her boyfriend traveling together. But the other part of it was I didn't know that it was possible for a human being to spend so much time on a phone call and speak so loudly. I can tell you all about what's going on at the Kappa Kappa Sig sorority right now. Let me tell you. I She's like, oh, my gosh. Like, they thought that we served underage people, but we did not serve underage people. And, like, I was so upset because, like, whatever. And then, like, Tad came over and he was just like, oh, my gosh, did you get a new tattoo? I'm like, no, I just haven't washed my arm from the club last night. Like. I I almost had an aneurysm because it was a completely full train. So there's no, and there's a part of me that's like, I paid for this seat. I paid for it. I'm not going to stand in the, you know, in Siberia, also known as in between the trains on Amtrak, right? If you stand in between the trains, it's like you've been exiled. So I, I anyway, it was, so I had an amazing seatmate. She was Team Buck, lovely uh, m- mother from from Long Island. She was great, but behind me, The magic power was in effect, man. I never get away from it. All right. If you want to send me thoughts, facebook.com slash Buck Sexton. Man of many names, also known as Le Buck Sexton when he is in France. And we have so many things to talk about here. Hopefully now, um, I might have been biding my time there because for some reason my computer crashed. And I'm hoping that now it has come back. It has. It has indeed. Uh, Here we go. This is from David, and he writes, uh, My wife and daughter wanted me to send you pictures of Finnick. I'll get back to you with my comment. All right, Dave. Well, Finnick looks like a very cute white terrier of some kind. I don't know which one exactly, but thank you so much for uh, sending me the cute pup photo. By the way, now I'm just going to throw out random things for producer Mike to do. Because he's already doing a million things. but So whenever I say, oh, let's take cute photos and put them up online and it doesn't happen, we're just going to blame producer Mike, even though he works like 15-hour days. So that's the new – this is what talent this, – this is what, quote, talent does, John. We just, we just grab uh, the nearest excuse possible when we don't follow through on a promise. Um, 
Seth writes, Wednesday's roll call intro, we got Buck turned up to 11. I'm dying over here, man. Love it. Uh, well, Seth, thank you. We, we have some fun. We've got a great, uh, a great announcer uh, who does our voice work named Andy, and uh, we, 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 we have fun with him, man. He, he sends us great stuff, and he does voiceovers for the show, and uh, we're really getting in it. So I'm glad you, you got a, a kick out of that one. I certainly did, too. Um, next up, Jason. Hey, Buck, 20-year police veteran and OSS member here. For those who are uninitiated, do not know OSS is Original Saturday Squad or the Office of Strategic Services from World War II, the precursor to the CIA, but that's a story for another day. I absolutely love your show. Listening to your podcast gets me through the long overnight shifts. Thank you, Jason. So thank you for keeping me entertained and awake. Speaking of entertained, I love, love, love it when you do voices. Cuomo is hilarious. John, I think Cuomo has become, you know, I think I think Ariana's going to get jealous because Cuomo is like number one now. You know, I, I know I'm, I'm making Cuomo too, uh, too famous. Oh, producer Mike just walked back to the room. He's done betting on the ponies, apparently. Yeah. Hey, producer Mike. Nice to see you. He's holding down the fort here in, in NYC while I'm down in D.C. You realize I'm never we, done betting on the ponies. Dude, yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's Derby right. weekend, man. I, I, please, I know, my friend. Mint juleps aplenty. Um, I don't think they would say aplenty, but maybe. I don't know. I, I got to work on my, my Kentuckian. Uh, is it, is it, is it, what is, is Kentucky, isn't it like the land of blood and darkness or something? Like Kentucky in, check it out, you know when I like have these, these buck brain farts, they actually are, it's like brilliance, right? It's like a Pollock. When you step away from it, it all makes sense. But up close, it's like, what is that mess? Uh, I think that Ken- Kentucky means it's something in like Native American, whatever the, a bunch of people from Kentucky right now are yelling at the whatever they're listening to the show on, but I think so. Right? Uh, the myth of Kentucky is known as a, a dark and bloody ground. Bam! See? There we go. Dark. I said like a bloody and whatever. I was close enough. Even when I think I'm wrong, I'm right. Okay, let's get back to Jason. I got diverted here, Mike, because people, Cuomo is now in the top spot for favorite buck voice. And, I, you know, I'm just happy. I feel like not that many people, because he's a New York governor, not that many people probably know Cuomo, but... We're making him famous here. You know what I mean? Across the country now. He's amazing because every speech he gives is in the same tone. And he sounds like this, whether he is ordering a decaf green matcha latte or saying we should ban firearms. It's all the same. Uh, but Jason then writes, um, Hillary sounds like a parrot. <laughs> she sounds like a parrot from hell. Keep those up. Thank you, buddy. Being a fellow history buff, I thoroughly enjoy your deep dives, and I think I speak for most of your fans when I say we would be willing to pay to hear more Shields High episodes. Keep up the fantastic work and Shields High. P.S. Dude, Miss Molly, you outkicked your coverage there. She is beautiful, bro. Cowboy up and put a ring on it. Jason, thank you. You're very kind. I'll tell Miss Molly that, and I'm on it. Don't worry about it, all right? Trust me. Trust me, team. I got I got all kinds of big plans. John, I know. We need to... We're going to roll in a quick break. We come back. I'm not going to go into so many rabbit holes. See, I expanded a little bit. Just more team and then response to team, as in more roll call in just a sec. All right, this is part two of Roll Call Team because it's a Freestyle Friday, and I took up way too much of the last roll call with my, my yammering. Uh, let's get into what Mark has to say. Remember, Facebook.com slash Buck Sexton. 
Mark says, minor pronunciation issue. The bulk of Americans, and sadly yourself, refer to the border city in Baja, California as Tijuana. That means Aunt Joan. The real name of the city is Tijuana. There's no uh, I, or there's no, there is a, wait, there is no A between the I and the J. I see what he's saying. Is that true? Tijuana? It's Tijuana? It's not Tijuana? Tijuana? That's how we say it in New York. Tijuana? It's Tijuana. Okay, well, okay, well thank you. I, I, I don't know. Tijuana? Tawana. That's how we, we got asked how Cuomo says it. That's how he says it. Uh, so let's see what we get here. Next one we have. Um, and I'm not actually stalling this one on purpose. I don't know what guys do. Did we not pay the Wi-Fi bill? Why is the Wi-Fi so slow today? What is going on here? I'm sitting around trying to get into. Come on. Make it happen to you. Make it. Well, not you guys. I'm talking about in here. Fortunately, I carry a backup in my pocket as in an iPhone that I can use for this. So I'm just going to, I'm just going off the iPhone now because things are not working. Laura writes random thoughts. And that is all. Well, Laura, you get points for brevity. So thank you. That is a random thought. I will take that. Tanya writes, hello there. While looking for G4, we found this Sexton famous, um, and she has a Sexton Irish whiskey, which is, in fact, an Irish whiskey, uh, for those who are curious. It has a kind of like a, 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 a um, skeleton with a top hat on it, which is a little morbid for my taste. Technically, technically, a Sexton is a grave digger. So, I mean, am I related to a seven-foot-tall WWE star who can bench like 500 pounds? Maybe. Should I be driving around in a giant 4x4 that can crush many, many vehicles at one time? Maybe, right? The Undertaker, Gravedigger, you see what I'm doing. Sexton, or, or it's also the guy that collects money uh, for the church, so that's always a good thing. Um, next up here, where, where did it go? I had another one that was somebody was saying something that was, I like the nice ones. I, I, like, when the people say the, I like when the people say the nice things. <laughs> it's true. That's what every radio host really thinks. I, I have to read the mean ones too, but I like what everyone's trying to be all all supportive and you know, thank you for devoting your days to all of this. Uh, Kathy writes, "We the people need to march on Washington." Uh, sh- sure, Kathy. It's kind of a long walk from D- uh, from New York, but I hear what you're saying. Sounds like fun to me. Uh, next up, Ethan. He writes, "Hey Buck, love the show. Been listening to you since your days on the Blaze." Uh-oh. I thought I'd drop a correction your way. Tonight, I heard you refer to IMHO numerous times as an acronym. Thanks to our good friend TV Andy Levy, I learned years back during an episode of Red Eye that IMHO is not actually is actually an initialism, not an acronym. An acronym is a set of initials that is said as a word, such as AWOL or NATO. An initialism is a set of initials that is typically said by each letter, such as CIA or IMHO. But don't people say IMHO? Or no? No? Okay, maybe you don't say IMHO. I just, I don't know. I hope this message serves to get me an offer as the show's ombudsman, should the position ever be created. Also, hope this gets read on roll call. Well, dreams do come true, Ethan. Thanks for writing in from Pittsburgh. So we got, 
we got that going for us, which is nice. That's going to be where we have to leave it for this Freestyle Friday. I got Miss Molly waiting, hopefully with uh, a couple of margaritas to get things started a little early for Cinco. I'm sorry, Cinco de Mayo, not Cinco. Fuck, get it together. I uh, hope you all have a great time, whether you celebrate or not tomorrow. Um, excited to be with you next week. I'll be in D.C. to start the week off. We'll finish it off here in NYC again. Please, please share the podcast with a friend this weekend. You can email it to them or just tell them about it. Until Monday, have a great weekend, everybody, and Shields High.